Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. From Los Angeles, California, it's Music Friday Live, brought to you by Solar City, your source for clean, sustainable energy. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan, and we have three guests today, one from Seattle, one from Louisiana, or one from Los Angeles via Louisiana, and one from our friends in Minnesota, Red House Records. It's a triple threat Friday, so stay tuned. This is going to be a great, great show today. Well, before I introduce our first guest, I want to thank all of you who've recommended bands on our website. We are booked into October, and so we have to hold off new booking until next month. I have a backlist of bands that we are now checking out, thanks to all of you lovely listeners who have suggested bands to us, and we are checking them out, and we will be booking. So hold off for a while, but don't hold off visiting the website. This Friday, we will post a bunch of new reviews, that we're, and we are also now putting music news on the front page, as well as tweeting out stories from our bands and our friends in the music business. So hold off on recommending new bands. We are going through the recommendations you gave us, and we will start booking. Actually, we've already booked some. They're, they've been on the air, and they're coming up this month. We have a guest. Our first guest is on the line, John Gorka. Welcome back to Music Friday Live. Hey, Patrick, actually, this is Rory. Hey, you there, Patrick? Yes, oh, Rory, well, hi, hi. You're a little (laughs) early. Well, we may get get interrupted by another guest, but that's okay. Uh, Well, since you're here, um, why don't – I've got to read a a couple of things first, so why don't you just hold on for a minute because I have to welcome in our affiliates around the corner. Don't go away. Whatever you need. Well, that was interesting. (laughs) I'm going to have to beat my producer around the head and shoulders for that. Uh, We're supposed to have John Gorka on, but uh, I don't see him. So if he calls in uh, a little later, we will uh, let you know. Uh, John has been on the uh, the show before. He's going to be on, uh, actually, he's going to be playing live right here in my neighborhood in uh, West Los Angeles. He's going to be at the um, McCabe's guitar shop, which is not really just a guitar shop, but also has a venue in it, about a 100-seat venue. And for those of you who are in Southern California, McCabe's is the place for folk, Americana, and acoustic music. It's been in the same location for 19, since 1958. That's 56 years, a lot older than, than uh, a lot of people listen to this show. It's been the major source of fine guitars in Los Angeles since that time, and it also has a great venue, about a 100-seat venue. So this Sunday night, the Sunday night, you can see John Gorka and his wonderful Americana music. Um, and also, you should check out his new album, Bright Side Down. Okay, I have to um, welcome all of our listeners uh, in our radio affiliates around the country. I want to say hi to all of our radio affiliates, especially our radio affiliates in uh, Tampa Bay, Florida. And also remind everybody that if you have questions or comments for our guest, you can call us at 347-215-7511. That's 347-215-7511. Or email your questions to musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, you can still email questions for our guests. We will forward your questions to them so they can reply uh, directly to you or through us um, uh, we'll also take your email address off so you don't get put on any email um, list that you you don't uh, you're not necessarily interested in. So that's uh, uh, so don't forget you can either call in now, email in now, or if you listen to a podcast, you can email us. And we're going to be uh, right back after this ad. 
Cameo Entertainment Group and Cyberstation USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. With Stitcher, you can listen to live programming as well as archive radio programming right on your phone. To obtain Stitcher, just go to the App Store for your particular phone. Go to search, then type in Stitcher. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Then download. It's that simple. Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. Convenient access to live and archive Cyberstation USA programming on your mobile phone. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Cyberstation USA. Always on the go. Our troops aren't the only ones fighting right now. Thousands of military families are in crisis. They're fighting financial battles, how to pay the bills, even how to keep their homes and feed their children. You can help by supporting Operation Homefront, a national nonprofit that provides emergency assistance for military families and for wounded warriors when they come home. To learn more about how you can help, go to OperationHomefront.net. Well, I'm Patrick O'Heffernan, host of Music Friday Live, and I want to welcome all of our listeners back. We have a great show coming up here, and actually our first guest is with us, so let me introduce him. I actually saw our first guest recently live, leading his 18-piece band in uh, standards, dance music, a little Cajun spice beat, and just all-around good fun. Roy Parton has a genuine passion for entertaining and making great music that that people of all ages really enjoy and dance to. He has performed around the world in places like Brussels, Paris, Prague, San Francisco, New York, and many, many more. Parton plays standards, he plays new songs, he plays longtime favorites, he plays Cajun music from his native Louisiana. Plus, he and his wife Alexa also perform in a pop duo, the Romies. That And the Romies rock with the best of them. Rory Parton moves from standards to love songs to pop with ease. He has just released his new self-titled album. And uh, above all, he likes to have fun, and he's with us right now to do so. Rory, welcome to Music Friday Live. Or should I say welcome back, because I think this is your third appearance. You're a popular guy. Yeah, man. You know, I just like to hang out with you, man. <laughs> and after, after that introduction, I, I don't know how I'll ever live up to that. That was pretty good. <laughs> oh, you live up to it all the time. You know, it's, uh, I like to hang out with you live on on the dance floor. Uh, right. Well, speaking Absolutely. of how popular you are, um, how is it that in a world of pop and rock and rap and hip hop and EDM and country and the other two hundred different categories of mass music these days? standards like Georgia on my mind and I've got you under my skin remain popular. Man, I tell you, that is, it's amazing, Patrick. That is some songwriting. Uh, it's such great songwriting. And the music is its such a, an American, uh, I don't want to say invention, but, uh, you know, jazz, it's, it's core, man. And the whole big band uh, movement is too. So there's something about it, I think, that just, for us as Americans, especially viscerally grab us. But when I travel overseas, people love this stuff too. I don't, I don't know what it is other than great songwriting. And uh, but you know, of course, I'm partial to the horns too, man. You get four trumpets and four trombones and five saxes and a rhythm section and singers, and it's got to be pretty decent. <laughs> well, we'll get into those horns in a, in a minute. But I want to play a little bit of what we're talking about here. I've got you. I've got you so deep in the heart of me, so deep in my heart that you're really a part of me, I've got you under my skin, I tried so not to give in, I said to myself this affair, it never will go so well. But how can I try to resist when, darling, I know so well that I've got you under my skin? Well, it's not hard to get that piece of music uh, under my skin. And one thing I love about your music, and I suspect the reason that other people love it so much, is that you make a song like that, which was written in 1936 by Cole Porter and debuted the same year by uh, Virginia Bruce in the film Born to Dance, and then was adopted in 1966 by Frank Sinatra. 
you make that song yours, and you don't lose any of the original romance of the song. Now, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, I mean, one thing that, if there is one thing that I am, Patrick, it is a person who sings from his soul, you know, from, from his heart, from what's inside of me. And if there's a song that doesn't move me somehow, I, I don't bother doing it. Um, growing up listening to people like Mahalia Jackson and Nat King Cole and Ray Charles and, I mean, all the Doobie Brothers, man, it's just this soul dug into my bones, you know, and, and you've got to sing it from somewhere that means something to you. It's just like acting. It's, you gotta, it's got to mean something to you. You've got to have an emotion in it. And uh, I, I guess that's why, man. It means something to me, and I guess people pick up on that. Well, uh, I, I guess they do, because you're one of the few people I know who puts the Doobie Brothers in the same sentence with all those other bands. Well, here's another example <laughs> of how you do this. This is a movie musical song that you have also made, Roy Parton. Take it back. Those eyes, those eyes are part of the tender trap. Your hand in hand beneath the tree And suddenly there's music in the breeze You're acting kind of smart Until your heart just goes whap Those trees that breeze are part of the tender trap Some starry night When her kisses make you Hold you tight And you'll hate yourself For the end Single And all at once it seems so nice The folks are throwing shoes and rides now, now that song has kind of an interesting uh, history to it um, It was originally sung in the 1955 movie That was before you were born by uh, <laughs> by by um, uh, Frank Sinatra, and the movie was The Tender Trap. Uh, he sang it in the opening role and the credits. Debbie Reynolds sang it during the film itself, and she did a fairly poor job of it. And and Sinatra was so unhappy about that 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 he went ahead and recorded it on his own, right? And it became one of his signature songs. Now you've taken it and you. You've refreshed it with a bit of Louisiana accent, and I think um, the beat there is also a touch quicker than the original, and you've added yeah. horns instead of the strings. Now, am I right? Is that how you made that yours? Yeah, yeah, that's it, man. You know, I mean, uh, my influences growing up in South Louisiana, I mean, you've done such a fantastic job of naming, you know, everything from the Cajun music influence to the jazz influence to the soul to some of the rock and roll. I mean, in South Louisiana, uh, where I'm from, there is a deep, rich culture. And as an artist, I believe that we should all bring who we are, you know, reach into the depths of who we are and bring that to our music. And I grew up playing trumpet, and so I paid my way through college playing trumpet and played professionally for a time. And horns to me are really special. So when I was doing my music and putting things together and kind of discovering myself as we continue to do as artists even today – Horns are a really big part of that, and the feel from where I come from musically, you know, it just I try to dig into myself every time and do what is true to me. So. Well, let me ask you about that, because in that particular song, you've, you've uh, substituted, or not substituted, but uh, um, in your rendition, you have horns instead of strings. Now, yeah. what does... A, what does what does brass do in a song like that that's different than what strings do, what violins do? Well, you know, for me, it brings a different energy to the song. I love performing with orchestras. That's, you know, like a symphony and philharmonic. That's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. But uh, the horns, to me, bring a, a sort of a, what's the word? Uh, I don't want to say they add a toughness to it, but sort of this, this uh no pun intended, a brassness to the song that uh, if it's just this orchestration that you kind of miss. And when you substitute those horns for the strings, I think it swings a little harder too, especially when the saxes are covering some of those string parts. I, I think it swings a little bit harder. So when you, when you say horns, you're, you're talking trumpets, slide trombones, and saxophones? Yeah, man. In my band, I've got four trumpets, four trum, uh, slide trombones, like you said, five saxophones, 
a rhythm section, and then uh, often I'll carry singers with me on the road as well. <laughs> that that that's a lot of horns to to cart around. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. You should, um, you should see it's on the bus. <laughs> we have a uh, we have a we're starting to get some emails for you. Um, Bolo in San Francisco wants to know uh, when you're playing. When your band is playing, are you on one of the horns? Hey, Bolo, thanks for the question, man. Uh, I used to be, and I'm going to be again soon. Uh, I just got so busy with because I'm also an actor, so between the acting and the music, I kind of had to lay my trumpet down for a time. Uh, but I just picked it back up and started playing again. It's been really hard being away from it since I was a professional for a time, but it's honestly, it's been like six years since I've played much at all. But I'm picking it back up again. You'll be happy to know that soon you will see me with it, playing with the band again. So, uh, acting um, is, is this uh, this this new? I hadn't heard about that. And 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 what? Where can we see you? Well, when I lived in Nashville, I was doing some modeling and acting. I got a call out of the blue. I was in uh, in school and uh, at, at the university, and I got a call from a guy, and he says, "Hey, I'm an uh, agent in Nashville, and I got your name from somebody, and I, you know, think." we want to talk to you. And so I went into the office and they're like, out of nowhere, look, we'd like to sign you to, you know, send you out there for some modeling and also commercials and music videos. So I did that in Nashville for a few years. And when I moved to LA, I decided, you know what, it's time to step up the game because this is Los Angeles. <laughs> so uh, my wife and I enrolled in an acting school. Uh, we, and we're studying at the groundlings right now. It's an improv uh, group. So we're studying there sure. now. And we've done, we've done like independent film stuff. You can see me doing things like in, um, Parks and Recreation, little tiny things, and uh, also in Arrested Development, but nothing more than like glorified background almost, you know. So, working on it. Well, um, I I wish you all success in that. Although I hope it certainly doesn't take you away from your music. <laughs> oh man, you know, music pours out of my soul. I I don't know that anything could ever take me away from music. <laughs> well, when when you record a classic like Tender Trap or Under My Skin, which millions of people love and know how they think it should sound. How yeah. do you go about making it sound your way without making those people say, that's not right? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one, man. I mean, uh, for example, I didn't listen to Sinatra, not because I didn't like him, but because I grew up on Nat King Cole and Perry Como and uh, Bing, a lot of Bing Crosby, Dean Martin. So when I got into college, I finally thought, well, I should listen to Frank Sinatra. And like you said, a lot of these were made classics by Frank. And it was interesting at first hearing Frank do them so amazingly well as he does everything with his interpretations. It was hard. It took me some time to find my place with those songs instead of just sort of phrasing like Frank did all the time and this sort of a deal, you know. Uh, But again, it's like I said, as an artist, my influences, I really try to bring those to bear. There are a lot of people out there who try to sound like Frank Sinatra or try to sound like this or that, but, you know, I want to I have my own voice as an artist. And I tell you, Patrick, it does take some time. It takes some time with living with the songs and letting them become part of you and you understanding what you're doing with it and making it your own, bringing it to life, you know. Well, of course, you, you, you take a risk when you do that. And I think um, the one of the the biggest challenges you've taken on in this particular album is a 1930 song by Hoagie Carmichael and Stuart Burrell that was oh, yeah. made famous by Ray Charles in 1960 mm. and, of course, now the uh, the state song of Georgia. So, so let me play a little bit of this and talk about how you made it yours. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, I call that a challenge, and, and actually it's, it's uh, also a risk, because so yeah. many people associate that song with Ray Charles, and they love him and that song. You're, you're messing with some pretty powerful forces there. But it works. Bro, listen, I struggled. I, honestly, for years, because I, man, Ray Charles is probably, probably my biggest influence as a singer. Uh, you know, everything Ray did came from, like, somewhere inside him, whether it was his number one country album or some other, you know, I got a woman way across town who's good to me. Whatever it is he's singing, it came from somewhere inside of him and uh, that, you know, needed to speak. And when I decided to take on this song, it took me years to decide to record it because I had to, like, for example, a guy who's a... Uh, journalist for the BBC was like, oh, you can't, you can't record songs like that in Dock of the Bay because people aren't going to like you for doing them if you change it. And so for me, it took me a long time to go, what is my voice in this song? Because I love Ray Charles's version of this thing so much. Again, it took me a long time to find my voice and find the courage more than anything to say, you know what, I am passionate when I sing this song and it's one of my absolute favorite songs to sing that means something that means I ought to be doing this song and I want people to feel what I'm feeling and I finally decided you know what forget that I'm going to record this song because it means that much to me and hopefully people will feel what I'm feeling uh have the, the emotional experience that I'm having does that make sense You there, Patrick? Did I lose you, buddy? You there, Patrick? I, I am. I'm not quite sure what happened there. Uh, there, there. There must have been some some gremlins in the line who um, are Ray Charles fans. I don't know about that. Right. Any, well, like he's anyway, doing it. <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, I got to thank our producer over here for getting this back on so quickly. Um, and yeah. listening to those two, to, to the way you did it and the Ray, way Ray Charles did it, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you, you kicked up the energy a little bit in your voice over what he did. You added brass yeah. in place of the, the, the more gentle flute. And in yeah. general, you just added a much lusher orchestration, uh, at, at least that it, more orchestration that he did in his live versions. Now, did you sit yeah. down and kind of map all that out and say, this is how we're going to do it? Well, honestly, what, what I did is I called a buddy of mine who's done some arranging for me, and I said, I love Ray Charles' version. I don't want the dated vocals in him. You know, he has those, which is great, but I didn't want it on mine. So I said, I want you to put some of that stuff in the saxes, and I want you to basically take his arrangement and put the brass to it and take the vocals out of it and arrange those into it. And uh, he sent it back, and he knocked it out of the park. I'm telling you, I really love what he yeah. did with that. He really did. Uh, and, and so you did actually sit down and kind of map out how you wanted this to happen. That's great. Yep. Uh, we're we're yep. talking with uh, Rory Parton, and we're talking to him about his new album, which is self-titled, Rory Parton. And you can talk with him, too. You can either call us at 347-215-7511, or you can email us. Uh, you can email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And we have some more emails in here for you. Um, Marge in Austin wants to know, um, did you ever meet Ray Charles? Hey, Marge, I, I probably would have passed out. I tell you, I got to see Ray Charles in concert when I was living in Nashville, and I bought. The, I had to buy the cheap seats because I was a student at the time. He was playing with the Nashville Symphony, but the way the seats were designed, mine came right out over the stage from the balcony, and Ray was about maybe 50 feet from me. No, not even that. And he sat at the piano facing me the entire time. <laughs> it was awesome. He came out and he did all the classics, and after that he sent the, the orchestra away, kept the horns, brought his rhythm section out, and did all the Atlantic Years kind of stuff. He even played saxophone that night. It was oh, awesome. Wow. And I, I also I met a guy who has the desk that Ray used to have in his office, and uh, so that was kind of cool. I got to sit at the desk and sort of rub on it, and that was... 
little bit of Ray there. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, I want to ask you a, a, a tough question. It's not about music, but it's about the music yep. business. Now, I, yep. I talk to a lot of bands uh, all over the country, and one of the things they consistently tell me is that it's really hard to make a living as a musician, and it's especially hard mm -hmm. in L.A. And I know from working with bands that the more people you have in a band, the more expensive it is and the harder to support. So how do you manage in an environment where singles and duets who are very good and very current struggle? How do you keep 18 yep. people and yourself and, and, and Alex all going? I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's incredibly difficult. All the bands you talk with, I'm in the same position. It took, really, it took years for it to catch up with me. Uh, you know, everything went along like normal, and the, the economy went down, whatever. But it's, it's caught up with us now. And I'll tell you, all my guys uh, now uh, have teaching, like they'll teach private lessons or they'll do sessions. I can't, I can't pay all these guys livings. I mean, it, they, we, they play gigs with me. They get paid. That's great. But, you know, I can't, I don't cover salary, like year-round salary on them, uh, and insurance and all that sort of stuff. So that's, that's the only way that I can make it happen now is to sort of, uh, you know, hire them when, when I have gigs and then they go back home and work when they don't. So it, it, you're, you're in the same tough business climate that everybody else is, is in then. Yeah, you got it. And unfortunately that, that passes for me down to my band. And then if yeah. they need to hire guys for stuff, it, you know, it just keeps going down, man. Okay. Well, uh, we have uh, one more of your wonderful songs, and hopefully it'll convince everybody they should run out and buy your new album. This is a jumble. Absolutely. <laughs> I think my engineer, uh, uh, who's from Texas, tr uh, turned that up a little bit there, or maybe he just felt that jambalaya des deserves a little bit extra oomph in the uh, the gain <laughs> department. <laughs> yeah, well, right. as, as you know, uh, and, it's not, and a lot of people don't know, that was a Hank Williams song. And um, yep. you've made a Hank Williams song a uh, Rory Parton song, and I love it. Uh, so it's... It seems like that song is where you really live. And since yeah, you're from I, South Louisiana, tell us about it. Yeah, it's, that's exactly right, Patrick. I've been singing that song. I don't remember a time when I didn't sing that song. As a little boy, just walking around in school, we, you know, down in Louisiana, I, it just connected with us all because it was about us, you know. And uh, I've heard it sung in French and English by Cajun bands, by all kind of things you can imagine. And when I decided to record this, this was the biggest challenge for me to get my vision for what I wanted with this song onto an arrangement that worked. And uh, in the studio, we had to do a little bit of talking about it, even after I had the arrangement. My buddy, Tim McMillan, he's from down there where I'm from in southwest Louisiana, in the Lake Charles area. Tim arranged this for me and just killed it, man. Uh, it's something I've yep. always wanted to do. And I combined that Cajun element with the Cajun accordion with the New Orleans street beat and then the big band thing and the shout chorus and, the, of course, you know, solo trumpet because I love that stuff. And then I had the privilege of having Jimmy C. Newman, who is in the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame and the Cajun, Hall of, Cajun Music Hall of Fame, sing with me on this project. And that just that took it over the top, man. Well, it certainly did, and, and uh, that's only one of the great songs on this new album. And the new album is called Roy Parton, uh, which is not hard to remember. And uh, Roy, <laughs> uh, w w where can people get your new album and also all your other albums? Patrick, they can find my stuff on everything from iTunes to Amazon to Spotify. If you're online and you like to listen to music somewhere, you'll be able to hear my album. And I want to encourage everyone, or you'll be able to hear and purchase my album. And I want to encourage everyone also, I'm on Pandora. And uh, so you can go to Pandora.com and type in Rory Parton and start a Rory Parton radio station, and you'll hear 
all the big band classics, also Harry Connick Jr. and Michael Bublé, all the new guys. It's really great. So I'm everywhere, man. You, uh, there's nothing in brick-and-mortar stores right now, unfortunately. But if you want a physical CD, you can get one from RoryParton.com. Contact me through that, and I will hook you up. Okay. Well, and also, let me remind everybody, uh, at least all my listeners in Southern California, that you can catch Rory and his wife, Alexa James, in their disguise as the Romies. That's their, uh, their <laughs> pop duo. This Sunday night at the Republic of Pie in North Hollywood. And all I can say about that is it's big fun. Rory, thank you so much <laughs> for joining us again. Uh, you're a rock star, Patrick. Thank you, brother. We have to take a break now, and when we return, oh, we're going to have a ransom and a subset. Don't go away. You're listening to Music Friday Live. Our troops aren't the only ones fighting right now. Thousands of military families are in crisis. They're fighting financial battles, how to pay the bills, even how to keep their homes and feed their children. You can help by supporting Operation Homefront, a national nonprofit that provides emergency assistance for military families and for wounded warriors when they come home. To learn more about how you can help, go to OperationHomefront.net. Cameo Entertainment Group and CyberStation USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. With Stitcher, you can listen to live programming as well as archive radio programming right on your phone. To obtain Stitcher, just go to the App Store for your particular phone. Go to search, then type in Stitcher. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Then download. It's that simple. Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. Convenient access to live and archive CyberStation USA programming on your mobile phone. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. CyberStation USA. Always on the go. And we're back. This is Patrick O'Heffernan. I'm your host on Music Friday Live, and uh, we'd like to hear from you. You know, you can always call in and talk to our guest, 347-215-7511. That's 347-215-7511. You can also email us, and uh, we are getting lots of emails today. And so if you're sitting at work and you've got your headphones on and you're not really paying attention to that PowerPoint that's on your computer screen, but you're listening to us instead, uh, thank you. Don't get fired, but you can email questions into our guests. Now, I want to um, uh, tell you a little bit about our wonderful sponsor, Solar City. Solar, that solar power, is a huge win-win for homeowners. But a lot of people are kind of reluctant to take the plunge into solar because, you know, the upfront cost. Well, with Solar City you can go solar for zero upfront costs. That's right, zero upfront cost on approved credit. SolarCity will come out and they will install a solar system on your home for free, and all you have to do is pay for the power that you use, just like you do with the utility company, except you use a lot less power because the sun's making it, so your bills go down, as much as half in my case. SolarCity pays for the system, it insures the system, it maintains the system, and all you have to do is enjoy the savings. So if you've been ready for solar, but solar hasn't been ready for you, it is now at SolarCity, America's number one clean energy provider. Now, how do you find out? Well, I'm going to give you a phone number. You knew that, so you had a pencil and paper ready. That phone number is 909-618-6937. That's 909-618-6937. And when you call that number, chances are you're going to talk to my friend Tina. Tina's my agent at Solar City, And if you tell her I sent you, she's going to give you a discount. That's right. She's going to give you a discount on your order. So remember, 909-618-6937. And tell Tina that I said for you to call and you'll get a discount. Well, listening to the music of Ransom and the Subset is kind of a multi-layered experience. The first layer is just fun. These guys play alt-rock with skill and harmony and joy. They fit together like a Japanese puzzle, no rough edges, and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Their harmonies remind me of King Washington or the Beach Boys or even Alice in Chains. They've got rich guitar orchestration, they've got sophisticated drumming, and they've got vocals that blend with the sound just enough, but also move beyond it just enough so they actually say something. And the second layer is what they say. Their lyrics make you think, they make you laugh, they make you cry, they make you wonder where they put their father's old trailer so it can't be found, why they're always in the middle seat on the airplane, and what exactly makes Anna cry. And the third layer is putting it all together in your head, just listening. 
not thinking about the words or the music, just listening, because this band makes you feel good. Just flowing with a delightful combination of four guys, a drum kit, two guitar, guitars, a bass, and lots of talent sort of sliding into your consciousness through your ears and not leaving very soon. So how do they do it? Well, it's alchemy, and we have the head alchemist with us today, the founder of Ransom and the Subset, Randair Porter, and we have a few tunes from the band's debut album, which is not due out until next month, that we're going to play for you today. Randair, welcome to Music Friday Live. Thanks, Patrick. It's good to be here. Uh, Randair, I want to zero in on the new album that is due out October 7th, I believe, but first I'd like to kind of get Seattle out of the way, because I'm sure you've been asked about you and the Seattle scene a dozen times, so I'm not going to ask that. But what I do want to say is that although Seattle is known as the home of the grunge sound, it also gave us bands like Death Cab for Cutie and the Posies and Harvey Dangers, bands that are definitely not grunge. Were, you, were these the kind of bands that you followed as you grew up in Seattle? Uh, absolutely. Um, and actually, I actually grew up in Southern California and relocated to Seattle right about when all that was happening right about when grunge was, was taken off, but at the same time, some great bands like the ones you, you mentioned, the Posies and, um, and uh, Presidents of the United States, bands like that that just did some great um, pop sound that ha- still had an edge. Yeah, so that was a great music and a great time for music here in Seattle. Um, you hear more about the grunge, but there was a lot in that, in that vein happening in, at that time. Well, I'm going to forgive you for uh, moving from sunshine to rain, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and somewhere I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, but somewhere I read that you remember singing Yellow Submarine in front of your family when you were a kid. Is that yeah, true? I do. I do, and that's my first uh, memory of, of the Beatles, uh, being a little kid in the basement, and my mom somehow saying, um, in fact, I didn't know it was the Beatles at that time, but asking me to sing that song for uh, some relative, an aunt or an uncle. So uh, it started early with that type of, um, you know, Beatle pop, you know, for me. Well, when did you actually first start playing music, either form a band or join a band? Um, I was, uh, well, I started playing music, uh, trying to play music when I was probably in third grade, when I was given a a very cheap guitar that um, hurt my fingers so bad that I I gave it up until uh, probably the seventh grade um, at the time where, Everyone seemed to be wanting to be in a band, and um, probably half my friends all went out and got the parents to buy them instruments, and probably only a tenth of them continued to play those instruments, but I did, and I think uh, together with a friend of mine who found his drum kits, his drum kit um, out in the trash that someone threw away, we started, um, started just playing music and then getting better and better and envying all the local bands around us and, and just uh, kept going with it. God, I wish I'd find a, a drum kit in the trash in my neighborhood sometime. Yeah, it was a pretty bad kit, so I don't know if it was that great of a find. I think well, that he had to have a, a pair of uh, vice grips to hold the hi-hat to the, to the stand. <laughs> but, um, and we used to play in the garage, and people used to walk by and see us. And, and I think I was playing in my, uh, with a very, very cheap guitar, the electric guitar at the time, but that's where it all started. The great story, and it led to some great music, and uh, including this song, which is from your new album. It's a perfect example of why your music makes people feel so good. Starting off with that, that stuttering uh, bass line and then rising into the guitar harmonies while your vocals stay really nice and steady, almost flat, it, it's really genius. It works very well. Now, how did you come up with that sound? Uh, you know, on that song, um, a, a couple different things. You know, I had had the, um, the song for a while before we took it into the studio, and that particular one was recorded here in Seattle um, with some uh, uh, some local people here, and also our, our current guitar player, our current guitar player uh, John Memolo. 
Um, we wanted something with a rough edge, and the, and the song has these you know major seventy types of chords, and it just we, I wanted that contrast between this kind of feel that you get with those major seventy chords at the same time with that very very rough edge, and uh, we got that laid down, and then we took the end of uh, at the end of that the production of that song we took it to Boston and and worked with our team out there that did some of the the over overdubbing of of those um, those nice harmonies in that. But it's kind of a team effort, a collaboration between what I did here in Seattle and what I did in Boston. Well, well, listening to you describe that, it reminds me that you actually came to music from a high-tech career. You, you ran a company or, or a number of, of companies. What, was there music in your life when, when you were in the high-tech industry? Yeah, there always, there always was. You know, wherever I was traveling to, and I've been to a lot of places, I was always, you know, checking out the local record stores, hearing what's happening there. Um, you know, always within my mind that this business needs to get going big enough so I can go off and do music full time. And um, it's it's very, very difficult to make a business successful. It's very difficult to get to a point where you can go and do uh, music 100% of the time. And it's difficult to stay in playing music 100% of the time. But, you know, it never left me. I was always um, listening to music and thinking out and also writing during that time as well. And speaking of writing, we, we have an email in, uh, from one of our, uh, our, our listeners here. Uh, this is from Romero 2 in, in Tampa. And Romero 2 wants to know, how did you learn how to write music? Oh, um, well, you know, it didn't, it didn't come uh, real, real quickly. It was over a period of time. And it's the kind of question where you never really feel that you've, you've gotten there. You know, I still think that there's lots of room for improvement in what I what I do. Um, the earlier songs that I wrote, you know, had um, very uh, had you know, from a songwriter standpoint, were very um, elementary and uh, and needed work as far as a, a craft standpoint. Um, but it was just over time, you know. And I've also um, you know tried to look at you know great pop songs and see what it is about those songs that made those songs successful from a a structure and a, and a craftsmanship standpoint. At one time, I went through uh, Tom Petty's Greatest Hits, and I charted out every single one of those songs and tried to identify what are the attributes of those songs that made those songs a hit. And you can do that with Tom Petty, and there's a bunch of uh, standard kinds of things. You know, the title's always very present in the song. It's always very well-structured. It always has these kinds of parts. So I try to study, you know, those who have been successful at writing songs, and... And I'm getting better at it. And you can kind of see, if I was to tell you what songs were written first, what songs were written last, you can kind of see that progression of the songwriting um, uh, in this record. Well, I'm, I'm going to listen to the album again and then email you my guess, and you can tell me whether or not okay. I'm right or not on that. Yeah, that'll be we're fun. That'll be fun. We're talking with uh, Randair Porter. He's founder of the band Ransom and the Subset. We're talking about his the debut album that's coming out October 7th. And, of course, you can talk with him, too. 347-215-7511, or you can email us, as some of you are, many of you are, actually, uh, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. We have another quick um, uh, email here. This is Tim in Kansas City. And Tim wants to know, did you actually listen to grunge at all in Seattle? Uh, it was interesting um, when that whole thing happened because we had um, uh, arrived in Seattle, me and my wife and uh, a real small kids at the time, and we're sitting around, and we're looking at the kids at that time, and we're thinking, what is happening here? Because it wasn't a look. It wasn't a scene that had started in San Diego, where I was from at the time. And um, as uh, we started noticing that something is definitely going on here, we got here right at the time where uh, you know, Nirvana and Soundgarden were just, just taking off. And as that was happening and listening to local radio, we figured out that there was something special uh, occurring at the time, I just thought it was um, kind of a, a, a um, punk kind of coming back with a little bit of a, a metal edge to it. And it was as you got into the '90s, you know, you started um, applying the label as as grunge. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there are bands like the Posies and and Presidents of the United States that, that were were there, and I was listening to them as well at that time. Okay. Um. I'm going to uh, play another song uh, from from your debut album, No Time to Lose, that kind of takes me back in time. 
It's an example of what I see are references to past bands that kind of get scattered throughout your music. Uh, this is a song called Girl I'm Not Afraid. Okay. that particularly with the uh, the the introduction uh, to that song I had to look around to see if the Beach Boys had somehow snuck into my studio uh, <laughs> you really captured that feeling but w- without copying it so congratulations well, however you. that song as fun as it is moves beyond just feel good I mean it's got a line it's got lines in it like hide me in the parking lot uh, now duck behind the car so I have to ask you, is there a story behind that song, or are you just kind of pulling all of our collective leg? Uh, there is kind of a, a general idea. I mean, it's not a story from experience or something, but it's uh, basically the idea is, um, and it's uh, kind of a young idea, where um, a girl is asking a boy to walk her home from school or whatever, but there's an old boyfriend in the picture, and he's feeling anxious about it. And... Um, you know, the third verse kind of ends with this, you know, um, a confrontation between the uh, the new boyfriend and the old boyfriend, and he's a little bit afraid of it, um, but he still oh. likes the girl. I mean, that's the basic <laughs> idea lyrically. Okay, all right. Well, it does. That is kind of a throwback to uh, the, the Beach Boys era in a way. Nobody walks home from high school now. They all yeah. have cars, um, right. or and and they're busy texting one another while they're at it. Uh, something else about that song and and the other songs in the album on the album again is called no time to lose is how diverse they are they're they're all kind of different it's it's kind of a very eclectic collection sort of like your ipod playlist Uh, debut albums are often very strategically thought through to present a memorial band a memorable band signature so what was your strategy how does this album present ransom and the subset what word do you want people to walk away from this album with to describe your music? Wow. Um, that's a difficult question. Of course, you know, we like uh, people to listen to it. And as you said, um, get the impression that it's fun, that it kind of suggests different references um, that may be from any decade, but it's still something that can be relevant today. Um, but it kind of hits home with people that, yeah, that, that feeling or that vibe or that, that part is something that I enjoyed before, and there's no reason why I can't enjoy it now. Um, there's that aspect to it. Um, you mentioned the, you know, it's kind of eclectic in a way, and we wanted it to be something that um, as a whole, you know, felt like something, but we just didn't redo kind of um, old retro or old throwback kinds of concepts, either musically or lyrically. You know, we don't mind the references, but we didn't want to be kind of a, a retro or throwback band, just kind of regurgitating, you know, old Beatles sounds or being too Beach Boy-like, you know, um, uh, which I don't think we are. There's tiny little references to some of that stuff, and there's there's other references that you haven't haven't um, guessed yet, but um, I'll be happy to some other time <laughs> tell you about them and give you the precise uh, reference to it. Well, well, uh, we'll tell you what, um, since since you brought it up. This would be uh, an excellent reason for our uh, our listeners to get a copy of the album when it comes out, uh, and then look through it and see if they can find the references. Um, if they do that, uh, let me just say that everybody that buys the album, uh, October seventh it's out, listen to it, and then send me what you think are the uh, the, the references to the past music. And I'll kind of map them out and put them in categories and, you know, how many in this one, how many of that one, et cetera. And I will, I will send them to our guest, and, and he can tell me just if, if we're right or not. Will you right. do that? 
Okay. Absolutely, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Sort of like a little tre- a musical treasure hunt. Right. Right. Um, so, I think you, but I, I think you've accomplished what you set out to do. And that the word, at least for my hearing you talk, that the word people should walk away from your album with is fun. Sure. Um, and a really good title of that, I think, is the uh, the title song. So I want to I want to introduce people to the title song in the album. This is a uh, new time to lose. So many things in that song to uh, to talk about. It 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 is multi-layered, like I said in the, in the introduction. So let's start with the drumming. That's very sophisticated drumming. Sometimes it's an accent, and sometimes it's the song's driver. And I think you said that's uh, Ducky Carlisle on the drum kit. That's right. Did did you and he map out the journey that those drums take in the song? Uh, I would say that um, we would include in that Brian King, who's the uh of um, that record that we worked with in, in Boston, and probably more him and Ducky uh, took a demo that I had of the song, and um, and Brian is really good about suggesting um, drum patterns for some of these songs, and then Ducky is just great at playing them, and Ducky could uh, really tune into exactly what we want out of the song. Um, that's how I would say that the drums came out on that particular one. Um, it's different from the drum pattern that I had used in my my demo, so I'd have to give the credit to those guys on that. Uh, did they actually write out the notation for that? No, no, it didn't work that way. You know, usually what happened is I'd fly out to Boston, we'd spend a weekend there, and then uh, we may take the demo and play the demo along with the tracking of the new instrument, and we'd play the demo, and then Ducky, who's also the engineer, uh, on the record, would usually set up the recording environment to give himself cues on when to come in in different parts, and then Ducky would go over to the drum room, and he'd start, you know, remotely the recording of the drums, and then he'd play along with, you know, either a, a track or two that we'd recorded for him as a reference, and then it would just come out like that. Um, but both of those guys, Ducky and um, Brian, are real good about capturing kind of the vision of the song and the feel that you want out of the song, and, and they really nailed it on that one. Uh, they, they did, and something else that you nailed really well is the vocal harmonies. Was that done live, or, or was that built in the mix? Uh, it was built in the mix. You know, the, um, a lot of times these songs were uh, created over three or four days, and sometimes, you know, remotely, things being sent back and forth. Um, but it was the harmonies are pretty similar to what we did on the demo, and uh, where I had sang the um, the backgrounds on the demo, and then uh, Brian King did the backgrounds on the um, on the actual recording. Well, it worked very well. I want to change topic. Hi, we seem to be uh, having a little bit of trouble here. Are you still there? I'm there. Yeah, you went blank. Okay, all right. It was, I was about to ask you. Um, you have a big following in Japan. Uh, how did that come about? Uh, you know, um, the way it came about is right about when we got, you know, the first or second track recorded. Uh, the first one we recorded was the song Million Out of Me, and the second one that we recorded was 
the first song on the album called Anna. And um, somewhere there was someone related to a blog, a power pop blog, that heard it on SoundCloud, heard uh, Anna, I believe, on SoundCloud. In response to that, um, this person on this blog contacted a, a label over there that um, has a good ability to, to sell into that that style of music. So they contacted me and, and asked if I'd be um, interested in selling this album within their online store. And then we talked to them about some other things that we can do promotion-wise in Japan, and it just kind of started rolling from there. Um, the album was released just a couple days ago in Japan, and um, we're just now getting pictures of um, displays within uh, Tower Records. They still buy CDs over there, and it's all over Tokyo, and people are buying it right now. Have, have you uh, been in Japan to promote the uh, the album or any of your other music? Have not, no. Now, I've been oh. to Japan many times for business, probably 30 times. So I understand you know, what the, the music culture is, is there. Um, I was there when uh, uh, Weezer's Green Album came out, and I saw kind of the uh, hysteria over that type of music over there. So um, I always thought that when we released something, we definitely wanted to, to do it pretty big in Japan, and, and that's what we've done this week. Well, congratulations on that. Japan's a lot of fun. Uh, I've been to Japan about 20 times myself, and uh, right. Tokyo is, is the future in many ways. So um, we're, we're running close on time, um, so I want to make sure we let our audience know about the album. It's a debut album called No Time to Lose. It's due out October 7th, and just uh, it's going to be a success. It's going to be a must-have for anybody that loves rock. You've also released a single, Million Dollars Out of Me, which is downloadable. Um, is there a tour next? Right. Yeah, so we're going to um, – right now we're planning on a, a release show in October. We don't have the venue or the date set on that. And then after that, we'll put together the what type of tour that we'd like to do, um, You know, whether it's a, a West Coast thing first. Um, everyone wants to figure out how to get to Japan and play in Japan. Um, we're not sure how we're going to do that yet, but there's great interest in doing that. Um, but we'll start locally here and then probably West Coast, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Well, come on down to L.A. when you do it, all right? Yeah, I think that we could do that. I mean, that's realistic, too, because um, there's a lot of people that know about this record in, in Southern California. I'm actually from North San Diego County, so we'd love to come down there and um, play there and even L.A. Okay, well, please uh, let us know. We'll have you back on the show. You can talk about that. But in the meantime, uh, where can people go? Can they, can they pre-order, or will they be able to pre-order it fairly soon? Right. Pre-order will be available uh, over the next week, and I suggest that people continue to uh, check the website, www.ransominthesubset.com, or the Facebook page, which is Facebook. You know, dot com slash ransom in the subset, and we'll put up, we'll, we'll announce when the pre order is available. Um, they will be able to get the digital download everywhere from iTunes to Amazon and, um, you know, all the typical digital retailers. And then the physical CDs will be available on Amazon, and the physical CDs will have a nice packaging and then the lyric book as well. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I thank you so much for uh, taking the time uh, to, to be with us today. Thank you very much, Randair Porter, leader of the band, Ransom Great. of the Subset. You've Great. Been listening. Appreciate it. You have been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from the Cyber Station USA Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, and our radio affiliates. Like our Facebook page, follow our Twitter feeds. You'll get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano. You can download this and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com slash musicfriday. Now, be here next Friday. Next Friday, our guests are going to be Jack Kovac and the exotic Stara Charismata with her new hit song, Gold Digger. Check our Twitter stream and our Facebook page, and we will update you on the guests. Good night, everyone. Have a great musical weekend, and we are going to go out with a few bars from Anna by Ransom and the Sunset. Goodbye, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.